What up, everybody? Hope is everybody. Hope everybody's having a great weekend. Um, getting ready for the week. Um, I'm gonna start off today talking about McGregor versus Poirier, uh, UFC two sixty four. Um, I will start off by saying I actually did not watch the fight. I'm not a big fan of how ESPN Plus's streaming quality is hit or miss. However, I either do read up on what happened during the pay per views, and considering UFC two six four had that big fight feel as most do these days. I wanted to kick off the show by talking about this. First things first, I appreciate McGregor and Dustin as fighters. Great fight fighters no matter what you think. McGregor's a great trash talker. He doesn't really seem to cross the line ever. He kind of gives his fights that WWE style build up. Now when it comes to the point of you maybe constantly attacking the guy's wife, saying how you're going to murder the guy, that's where you cross the line. Then come to the actual fight, it seemed pretty even up until the end of the first round. When McGregor's ankle broke. Then immediately after, Connor talks more trash, takes another shot at his wife, Telling Dustin Poirier that his wife is a hoe, quote unquote, saying how she's sliding in his DMs. At that point, I don't blame Dustin Poirier for straight up calling Conor McGregor a dirtbag because he was acting like a dirtbag. Like, come on, Conor, you're better than that. Then Dana White reports after the fight how they will fight again to the way it ended and the way the fight was going, which, from a business standpoint, it makes sense. But for me, from a fan standpoint and a fight fan standpoint, it okay. Maybe the fourth fight will go well, but at this point, Conor McGregor's thirty-two years old. No, he's not old, but in fight fighter world, from a fighter's point of view, I, I think he's getting there. Yeah, I know there's some fighters who still fight in their forties, but they're not the same they've been. In the meantime, Poirier will get his title shot, which I think he greatly deserves. Um, can't wait to see what happens with him later this year, earlier next year. Um, I'm get, I guess Dana White said Poirier's going to do what he's got to do, and Connor's going to heal up and have the fourth fight. Maybe the fourth fight will be as good as the first few. We'll, we don't know because, like I said, the fight up until Connor broke his ankle was going pretty well. They were trading shots for shots, both had a couple takedowns. It was, it was pretty well, and unfortunately, Connor just hurt his ankle. Um, all that trash talking aside, they're, like I said, they're both great fighters. Uh, that's all I got on that. I want to give a small review about the ESPYs. From Saturday evening, uh, the ESPYs is ESPN's award show for most sports and entertainment. Um, it's been going on for 28 years. It was the 29th year, so next year is the 30th anniversary. Uh, again, just wanted to give a small review. Uh, Anthony Mackey, um, I think I'm saying his last name right. Anyways, the star of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, anyways, I think his opening monologue was hilarious. And his explanation on how much he loved the Saints, loves the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, and hates the Atlanta Falcons, and how he took a flight somewhere just to avoid the 
famous 28-3 Super Bowl. Really hate saying that. Um, I thought that was pretty amusing. He said, what was he saying? As his flight was going up, the Falcons were going down. I hate saying that. Anyways, I think Tom Brady winning male male athlete of the year was well-deserved. I mean, the guy is 43 and he's still playing at a high level. No, he's not what he used to be, but again, he's still playing at a high level. He just won his seventh Super Bowl. Um, the Alex Smith piece was great. That's always going to be a motivating story till the end of time. And I'm actually extremely happy that Kansas City Chiefs Laurent I can't say his name. He's the guard Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I think I said that right. Anyway, he's one of their guards. Um, he won the Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Award after op- opting out last season to help battle the spread of COVID nineteen. He is a doctor in Canada and a Super Bowl winning guard in the U.S. LDT, I'm proud of you and keep setting a great example. I want to touch on one thing, though, from that night. I I understand why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Team of the Year award. However, I think the Baylor Bears men's basketball team should have won it. Um, They only had two losses all year and won the national championship against the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs decisively. And they only had two losses throughout the year due to COVID and injuries. If it weren't for that, they would have been undefeated. I just think they're maybe one of the best college basketball teams of all time, and I just think they deserved it more. I understand why the Bucks won it. I think they were a great team. No matter how much I want to forget that Super Bowl, they did deserve it, and didn't so did every other team on that list. But I just I just think Baylor was the best this past year, especially after what they did to Gonzaga in the championship. One last thing on the ESPYS. I find it intriguing that they now have a best WWE moment, which was won by Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for their WrestleMania match this this past April, deservedly so. Speaking of WWE, WWE's blue brand, SmackDown, has been top-notch television week in and week out the past few months. I think Roman Reigns is possibly the greatest heel, which heel is, in, in wrestling terms, bad guy. Um, anyways, the greatest heel in the past 10 years, and his feud with, his feud with Edge this year is brilliant. Um, it's cost, it's Edge it seems like he's always getting the upper hand on him. Anyways... I for, I, for one, cannot wait to see fans return this Friday evening, July 16th. They, at first, when first the whole world shut down, WWE still had the show go on, and so did some other wrestling companies. They, I don't know, WWE had it in their performance center down in Florida, and then they used a couple, and then, I can't remember when it was, I want to say in January maybe, no, before January. Anyway, sometime last fall, I believe, um, they went to, they called it the Thunderdome, where they had a bunch of Titan Trons around the ring uh, where the fans would normally sit at a couple stadiums down in Florida. I think at first it was the Tampa, Rays, Tampa Bay Rays Stadium, and there's another one. I can't remember the one they went to when baseball season started. But 
Again, I for one cannot wait to see fans return this Friday. It's been nearly 500 days since they've been in front of a live crowd. Just can't wait to see what happens. I'm excited to hear the what chants. Next thing I want to talk about here is my opinion on Black Widow and then an update on the TV show Loki. So the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not going to spoil Black Widow for you. However, I think it was an outstanding and action-packed return for the MCU to the big screen. I personally love the character development. The Taskmaster scene was scenes were incredible. Um, the Red Guardian, or Captain Russia, the alternative to Captain America in the comics, continues to be one of my favorite Marvel, Marvel characters ever. And then, again, without any spoilers, the post credits scene has me just wanting more. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I suggest you do soon. It is indeed a must-watch. Um, if you don't want to go to the theaters, if you have a Disney Plus subscription, you can buy it for... Twenty nine ninety nine, which seems like a lot of money, but it's virtually the same amount as you would spend at the movie theater. Um, again, I just think it's a must watch. It's action packed. No, I won't spoil it for you. If I ever spoil it for you, spoil it for you. Um, two things: one, I wouldn't do that till after a couple months of the movie being out, because I know some people have their lives. They got other stuff going on. They have their own lives. So they're not going to get it to right, get to it right away. But after a couple months, all bets are off. <laughs> and I will say, if a movie is spoiled for you, I have had movies spoiled for me in the past. And I still enjoy the movie. No, I wasn't surprised, but I still ended up enjoying the movie overall. Because you can spoil it all you want. Seeing it still just doesn't compare to, to it being spoiled. But anyway, speaking of the MCU. Loki, Lo, Loki, Loki is not my favorite so far out of the MCU TV shows on Disney+. Plus. I would say WandaVision and the Falcon and the Windows Soldier are about the same. I like WandaVision just a bit bit more than the Falcon and Windows Winter Soldier. But Loki just doesn't at first just I wasn't catching on to it. Um I've said before I think Owen Wilson's char- character Mobius or Morbius is brilliant is brilliant. Um but I'm really not a big fan of episodes two through four. I was kind of struggling to find a point to them. But the end of episode 4 and all of episode 5 with the other forms or variants of Loki appearing from across a timeline or multiverse, whatever you want to call it, keeps me excited for the final episode coming up and I just can't wait to see what happens. Um, Still not the best one yet, but episode 6 might change my mind. Right, next thing I want to talk about is my opinion on Mondesi, out of Alberto Mondesi. He's a shortstop for the Royals. The guy who I feel like is made out of glass. Or is he? He's constantly on the injured list. But when he plays, the guy plays like he's superhuman. And the 10 games he's played this year, 
He has four homers, and he only has an average of 400, which is easy if you've only played 10 games out of nearly the 80 the team has played. I feel like at this point, it seems he doesn't want to be in Kansas City. He shows up, makes plays, and says, oh, I'm hurt. I'm feeling like the Royals should just trade him when he comes back, if anyone would even take him. But, speaking of the Royals, they're struggling mightily right now. I think they're better than their record shows. Not by far, but I think they're better than their record shows. Again, I did predict them to have 75-ish wins, which isn't great, but it's better than the past few years. Um... But I wanted to give you the lineup and pitching rotation. I think that would give this team the boost it needs. Nicky Lopez leading off. He's, he can play at second base. He's usually shortstop, but I'll get to why I think he should be at second base in a minute. You can have Whit Merrifield, or um, like the Royals announcer call, or like the Royals announcers like to call him Whitley Hitley. <laughs> I put him at right field. Batting third would be Salvador Perez, our catcher. And then this one would be a call-up. Batting fourth, the cleanup spot, Bobby Witt Jr. at shortstop because that's what he plays. I kind of want him to be comfortable at the shortstop position because that's what he's used to playing in the minors. And then number five, Edward Oliveira's left field, who seems to have some surprising power considering he's bounced back and forth between AAA and MLB a little bit this year. The guy has 10 home runs. He's fast, kind of has an idea of how Major League Pitching works, so he'd be quite a boost. Then batting sixth, I would have Carlos Santana at designated hitter. Um, Right now he plays first base, but again, I have another call-up, I think. That would be batting seventh, Nick Prado. Prado. I think I just butchered his last name. But he plays first base. Again, I want him to get used to playing defense in the majors. Carlos Santana's been around enough, he can just hit. And then Gerard Dyson at center field, who is kind of just a speedy veteran. Like I said, he's still got his speed. You can trust him at center field. He can make all the plays you need him to make. He's a good contact hitter. And at third base, I'd have Hanser Alberto, very athletic third baseman, and a pretty good hitter overall so far this year. And then pitching rotation in no particular order. I would have Danny Duffy, who's having one of the best years of his career. Mike Miner, who his ERA is is not great, but I feel like that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, Brad Stellar Keller, um, who hasn't really been that stellar this year, but he's had a past few starts where he's kind of getting earning his Brad Stellar Keller nickname. And then Brady Singer, another young pitcher who's been pitching his butt off this year, I feel like. Um, win-loss record, ERA, doesn't tell the full story, I think. And then a guy who's technically a closing pitcher right now for us, but with the way everybody's been, with the way the team's been, he hasn't really been able to close much. I would put Kyle Zimmer in the pitching in the starting pitching rotation. A great pitcher, has great command. Not too flashy, not too... Not to anything. He's just he has great command and is a solid pitcher. And then my relief pitchers and closing pitchers, for my middle relief, one of them would be Holland, Greg Holland. He's a vet, 
veteran, knows how to win, has gotten a lot better with his command over this year. At first, it was pretty pretty rocky. And then Scott Barlow, who I think is one of the best relieving pitchers in the league, at least the American League. And then Irvin Santana, again, another veteran. Um, not his best year so far, but he's a veteran, and I can trust him in certain spots. And then my closing pitcher, this would be kind of not necessarily controversial, but Josh Stalmont. I believe he's clocked in one of his fastballs at 103 miles per hour before. If he can just get his command down, especially with his off-speed pitches, I feel like he'd be unstoppable, especially at the closing pitching position. Overall, I feel like this team is a team that can stay competitive and make a second-half comeback. I'm not saying they win the World Series or even get there. I'm not even saying they make the playoffs. But I'm saying they can have some sort of second-half comeback. They already know how to come back. They've done it with over half their wins. So hopefully they... Hey, maybe the Royals hear this somehow, and they take my advice. But hey, I'm not an expert. And the Nationals... My little brother team, I like to call it. It's simple. Just stay healthy. Just please stay healthy. And speaking of baseball, we've got the All-Star break coming up. I want to kind of run down the Home Run Derby roster. Um, It's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And I kind of want to say who I think will win and why. First off, the roster. It's Shohei Otani on the Angels. He has 32 homers this year. Joey Gallo on the Rangers. He has 23 homers this year. There's Matt Olson on the Athletics, 21 homers. Salvador Perez on the Royals obviously has 20 homers. Pete Alonzo on the Mets has 15 homers. Trey Mancini on the Orioles has 15 homers. Trevor Story on the Rockies has 11 homers. Juan Soto on the Nationals has 11 homers. In my opinion, I think I could see it coming down to two hitters, Otani and Perez. Maybe Trevor Story, considering it's his team's ballpark, knows it better than any hitter there. But the season Otani is having is nothing short of historic. And Perez, I'm being a little biased, but at the same time, I feel it's time for Perez to get some recognition with his power hitting ability. I for one can't wait to see what happens. The Derby is my favorite all-star event in all of the Power 4 professional sports, NHL, NBA, MLB, and NFL. Again, just can't wait to see what happens. And I'm going to be biased again. I think Perez can win it. I've talked about on the show before my favorite sports teams in episode one. In episode two, I listed off my favorite movies. Today, I want to talk about my all-time favorite athletes and wrestlers. I consider wrestlers athletes, well, for the most part, but some don't, so therefore I'll split it. For my wrestlers, it goes like this. The Undertaker. I think he's the GOAT, greatest of all time in wrestling. His WrestleMania record speaks for itself. Yes, I know it's predetermined, but still, you got to kind of 
You got to keep it up and keep showing out if you want to have something like that. And then The Rock, he's one of the best trash talkers of all time in all the sports and, and entertainment. Um, it was kind of a powerhouse in the ring. It was just overall one of the most entertaining people I've ever seen perform. I didn't really watch him when I was around, but I've always watched highlights of him, and he's just awesome. And then there's John Cena. That's my third. He was the guy when I started watching. He was the face of the company, the franchise, if you will. And then Kurt Angle. He was the guy who won a gold medal in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta um, with, as Kurt would say, with a broken freaking neck. Um, He kind of gave, I think, in my opinion, pro wrestling that real sports feel just because of his background and just the way he was in the ring. He had that real wrestling mentality, that freestyle wrestling mentality. And there's Chris Jericho, who would be my fifth favorite. I think he's super entertaining. And a true Iron Man in the ring. I think an icon to an extent. And he also just happens to be the lead singer of one of my favorite bands ever, Fozzie. But that's a list for another day. Now for my athletes, it goes... Tony Gonzalez. The greatest tight end of all time. Some might argue one of the greatest, maybe not the greatest. But I don't feel like not a lot of people are going to argue that he is one of the greatest of all time. But I think he is. And then second is Brett Favre. He was the gunslinger, an overall lovable guy. And I think his Favre number four jersey is iconic. No, not the Falcons one, the Packers one. Yes, he was in the Falcons' rookie year. I might run down that story at one point on on the show. Just not today. And then Kobe Bryant. He was the Black Mamba. One of the most intense guys on the court. And in my opinion, second best behind Jordan. Someone I enjoyed watching while growing up. Michael Jordan. Same can be said for him, as I said Kobe. But in my opinion, he is the GOAT. I wasn't really around to watch him. But I do love watching his highlights. And I do indeed love watching The Last Dance. I've watched it one time through. Um, but I still think it was great. I know some people think there's flaws for it, but it has its flaws. But overall, it's a great documentary. And then fifth favorite is Alex Smith. And I'm going to say why. 2013 was a great year for me. I started my senior year of high school. One of my favorite artists ever, which I'll get into another day, Eminem, after a little mini four-year hiatus, dropped his Marshall Mathers LP2 album. Like I said, my first or second favorite artist of all time, but again, I'll say that for another day. But most importantly, from my sports fan perspective, Andy Reid and Alex Smith joined the Chiefs. Reid was hired after getting fired in Philly, and Alex Smith was traded from San Francisco. Alex Smith played a key role in turning the Kansas City Chiefs franchise around, and I cannot thank him enough for that. So I was actually going to end the show off with that, but I want to speak on Jose Altuve. Today, the Astros had quite the comeback against the New York Yankees, scoring six runs in the bottom of the ninth after trailing 7-2 in Houston with Altuve, 
hitting the walk-off three-one three-run home run. I noticed the Astros constantly tugging at their jerseys, referring to the home run jersey tug from Altuve in the 2017 postseason, which everyone now knows why. The Astros cheated their way to win a World Series with trash can banging in the dugout whenever a pitch was signaled. Sign stealing, that's known as. As Altuve got to home plate after his homer, his teammate ripped off his jersey as if trying to prove a point to the fact that they don't have mics and aren't cheaters anymore. It's In my opinion, it's over with. You guys cheated. Get over it. The only way people will move on is if you win one fair and square or whenever everyone a part of the team retires. And even then, it's not going to help. So Altuve and the Astros can talk all the smack they want. No one cares. And I, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt to an extent. It also doesn't help the, that the current commissioner, Rob Manfred, when talking about the World Series trophy, as just a piece of metal in that situation. I'm not, I'm not going to take away from the Astros' talent because they obviously do have talent. But cheating is still cheating. Sure, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, but when you act like you're hated just because you won... No, you're hated because you cheated the game. You made everybody look like fools. You made your fans look like fools. You made A.J. Hinch, who I believe that was his first managing gig, look like fools. Yes, he let it happen. That's his fault. But the players started it. And A.J. Hinch should have finished it. He's the manager. He should have, he should have stopped it. He should have put a stop to it. The Astros just ruined their image for however long until something else happens or the end of time. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to take away from their talent. I think some of them are great players. As much as it pains me to say, Altuve is a great player. I'm not going to take away from it. But at the end of the day, he still cheated. That's all I'm going to say on that. Everyone enjoy their week. Enjoy the All-Star break. Enjoy more of the NBA playoffs. I actually have it playing on my TV right now. It's midway through the third quarter right now. The Milwaukee Bucks are, Bucks are re- winning. They're down 2-0 in the series. We'll see what happens. Like I said, everyone have a great week. I'll post another one on Thursday. Should be available on Friday or late Thursday evening. See ya.